Hey, good morning, church. Hey, anybody joining us online? Good morning, we welcome you. Happy Sunday morning. You guys are a quiet bunch today. Maybe it was the quiet music, maybe it's the fog, maybe we've adjusted too much smoke, I don't know. Whatever the cause, if you are able, I invite you to stand with us. We're going to wake you up, all right? Join us. Let's enter in together. Let's proclaim God and bring him glory this morning together.
We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your son that while we were still sinners, he died for each and every one of us. And we just proclaim you as worthy of all glory and all honor this morning. We want to bless you this morning as we simply sing, Holy Are You God.
We, uh, we work very seriously here at Northview, very hard. Uh, so we are starting a, a study hall this Wednesday. We're super excited for kids first grade through 12th grade from 3 to 6 p.m. starting on Wednesday for probably the fall. Um, a chance threefold. One, students, I know you love your families. Come here. Oh. Get a little break away from them. You can come and do your homework here and hang out. <laughs> Two, parents, I know you love your kids. Drop them off here. Get a couple hours away from them. And three, students, we want to provide a chance for you to hang out with one another, to be able to socialize and get some of that that we know you are missing. It's been so encouraging to hear from students with school all online how much you guys miss school like miss physically going to school. So we're gonna help provide some of that here with a mix of homework time, social time. There's so much information. I'm sure as a parent, you're like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? If you head to our website, nview.org, there's a link for study hall and there is tons of information. Go ahead and check that out, but know that this Wednesday, three to six o'clock, we're gonna be here for students, first through 12th grade that wanna come do some homework and hang out and for parents that want to get a little bit of a break. Uh, I realize with a video, it's, it's quick to jump in. Um, if you have, if you're new this morning, if you're, if you're tuning online, uh, if you're wondering who this guy is who's stumbling over because it's been a little while since he's been up front in front of everybody. Uh, <laughs> my, name's, my name's Rob, I'm the student ministry director here. I work with the middle school and high school students. I've been um, mostly off work for the last month, starting to phase back in. Um, we had our baby boy on August 12th. He turned one month yesterday, which was super cool. Uh, he wasn't really up for, for partying, but we took some great pictures. If you're, if you're friends with Amanda and I on Facebook, you saw some of the pictures that we posted. And man, one month get fussy fast when you're trying to take their picture. But he's awesome. He's not here right now. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. This has been an incredible time in Amanda's and my life. And man, you guys have been so good. Uh, families have brought us meals, which I didn't realize how beneficial that is until you have a baby. You don't even have to worry about what's for dinner. Someone just shows up and hands you food. It's wonderful. There's been prayers. There's been people that have come over that have held him for a while. Thank you. Thank you for being a great community for Amanda and I. And we are so excited uh, that this is the group 
that Jackson gets to grow up with. Man, he's so loved and blessed, uh, he doesn't even know it yet. And I'm just gonna answer the, the, the overarching question. We're actually sleeping pretty good. So, all right, he goes two and a half to four hours a time uh, at night, which is awesome. And thank you for those prayers, especially. Anyway, enough of me, back to Northview. Um, we have different ways that you can stay in touch with us. We know uh, even if you're here, things are a little bit different. If you're online, um, at home, things are a little different. We want to make sure that you're connected with us. Lots of information on our website, our Facebook page. We're trying to keep that updated as well. Um, if you do not receive Northview's weekly email newsletter or the ones from kids or youth, uh, if you email frontdesk at nview.org, uh, that goes to Margaret, and then she sends that request to whoever she needs to, and we'll make sure that you get signed up to make sure you're getting the news for the ministry that you need to stay up to date with. Uh, and we have a couple other things uh, this morning that are coming up. And the one that I'm most excited about, I was just looking at my phone. Uh, it's been six months almost exactly since we last had kids and youth services. That's crazy. As someone who works with youth, that's really, really hard. Um, this month, on the 27th, we are coming back with kids and youth services for those who feel uh, comfortable joining us. There's going to be a couple addition or a couple adjustments. Um, kids, so that's up through fifth grade. Uh, I was talking to Kayla because of volunteers wanting to make sure things are clean and sanitized and everything. There's only going to be kids during first service. So during the 9 a.m. service uh, will be the opportunity for kids. And then for youth, for middle school and high school, we will be meeting at the same times as normal. So middle school during first service, high school during second service. Now that could be 11, it could be 1030. We'll let you guys know if we go back to our original second service times. But just know middle school, that's sixth, seventh, and eighth grade during first service. We will, we will start in here as always. We'll enjoy worship together and we'll head up to youth room, same with high school, 9, 10, 11, 12 uh, during second service. But on the 27th, for middle school and high school, we're going to be throwing a party to celebrate coming back. Um, and the easiest way to know what's going on is to have our e-news that we send out weekly via email or follow Student Ministries on social media. If you have a kid with you this morning, Kayla's been doing a great job of getting uh, curriculum and video stuff up that they can be following during service. want to encourage you. Um, on a tablet or a phone right now, you could just head online, get them plugged in, uh, whether you're here or at home. It's a great way for them to still stay engaged uh, during service. All right? Now, again, as we've been talking about, we're not passing the buckets. We're trying to take some of those extra measures. There's boxes in the back if you want to drop your offering there. Or you can head online. You can go old school and mail in a check. Whatever works, we're just not passing the buckets um, right now. But we're still going to pray. I think that's still no matter what we're doing. Let's pray. So would you join me this morning? Uh, dear Lord, this weekend, just reflecting back on this season at Northview with everything going on in the world, there's no doubt that you've been at work. And there's no doubt that your people have been faithful and obedient to you. And I thank you for the things that we've been able to do, the ministries and organizations and individuals we've been able to help, Lord. And we know that it's not over. Even as uh, people get back to work, now we're facing the reality of these fires all up and down the West Coast, Lord, and the people that are losing everything. Uh, may we be able to, as a church, continue to represent you well, to help those in need. Bless our time this morning, Lord. Thank you for those who give. 
be with us as we listen to your word. Amen. Steve, come on up. And in two weeks, students will head out. Not excited or anything, are you? Hey, good morning, everybody. And watch the lines. Probably more people uh, home this morning just because of the, oh, what do we call that stuff? Smog? Fog? Smoke? Yeah, kind of. Any of you wake up thinking your house was burning down? <laughs> like, ah! Kind of deal, yeah. I just got back. We went, uh, my friend John Detweiler and I, John Detweiler and I were on staff at North Shore together, and we went on a gold panning expedition in Idaho, Montana. And I know John Clements was excited. He was hoping that a tithe of that would fund his church plant. And, uh, but we got totally skunked, had an epic hike, and uh, it was a great time. So it's good for me to be back as well. Uh, a couple things. I need to make a correction. So go back in your minds two weeks ago. Remember when we closed out the Psalm series and we had uh, the 23rd Psalm? And I used the illustration of the shepherd. And if a sheep kept getting out of line, he'd break its leg and then mend it and the sheep would stay in the flock. And we use that for the picture of God uh, disciplining us, and which he does do. But it turns out that that's actually not true. It's actually an old wives' tale. It, it somewhere got embedded in uh, pastors speaking, but it's not true to shepherding at all. And uh, basically what happens is that shepherds don't break sheep's legs. And if they do get their legs broken, they basically become mutton stew. All right, so it's a far less romantic picture than the one we painted. <laughs> okay, so, so I, I just, one of, one of our gang in, in made me aware of that, and I looked it up and went, oh, gosh. So I just want to make sure that's clarified and that doesn't get passed on. All right. Uh, and then I see this week we all took up smoking, right, whether we want to or not. And, uh, boy, that is thick. Um, we as a country are facing some amazing devastation right now uh, on scales that uh, are kind of unprecedented. And um, fire's a major threat, right? We know, and uh, we pray for rain. Uh, Lindy Baker, Lindy and Ron are here. Lindy's parents uh, got caught in that, uh, Tony and Judy, and uh, their home got totaled. It just got down in Ashland, Oregon, just got vaporized, right? Yeah, they're okay. They're there. And then also uh, her brother and uh, sister-in-law uh, were in a spot, Nick and Mindy, where their, their house is still standing, but they're facing a level three evacuation because all the power lines are down, the water doesn't work, the gas lines are leaking, and they are guesstimating anywhere from uh, a week to five months that they might be able to get back. So can you imagine? Now, those are two personal ones that we know that are connected to us. But right now, the estimates are, in Oregon alone, there are a half a million people displaced from this fire. Right now, that smoke trail is 1,000 miles long, and it goes up to 55,000 feet in the air. Did you know that? And it's, it's just unprecedented. So um, we need to be praying, and we, we will do that. Uh, what I want to say is this. You're going to hear a ton of screaming about climate control and all that kind of stuff and the science and all that. The reality is God's been trying to get our country's attention for a long time. And we're not paying attention. This isn't the only thing going on. I don't know if you read this week in uh, uh, whatever news outlet you're on, but in Louisiana, because of Hurricane Laura, which came through and flooded you know, chunks of uh, Louisiana there, they now have a mosquito plague that is so bad 
that it is literally uh, killing horses and cows and deer uh, because there's so many uh, mosquitoes sucking blood out of the animals, they, they, they run out of breath and die. So that, I, that's just, a, uh, in the Bible would call that pestilence, right? That's a biblical pestilence. And so on a lot of fronts, and you throw a couple other things in like an earthquake or something like that, and, uh, and we'll be talking about next week, we're going to be talking about sharing our faith. Uh, we may be in for an unprecedented time of being able to share the good news of Jesus because people will actually be listening. But it's going to take some terrible things to go through it. And that doesn't even factor in the election or all the other things that are going on in our land in terms of chaos. So it just seems, and by the way, just to add this, I know you don't need this, but um, don't be fooled and think to yourselves that can't happen here. Right? We have taller fir trees, thicker fir trees, and a lot more houses. You get a 40-mile-an-hour wind whipping through here, and we'll make that look like a puff of smoke. So we, we need to be in prayer. It's a great time to move away from sin. It's a great time to repent and be right with the Lord because we can't control the future. Right? I always tell us as a church, control is an illusion. Right? And this is a great era that, that really represents that. So it is a great time to be anchored to Jesus. Okay? Whatever that means, whatever that takes for you, anchoring to Jesus is really important right now. And it would seem wise to me that we seek the Lord this morning for his mercy right? Um, and appeal to his uh, steadfast love and appeal to his hesed love for us. Uh, we know what our country is. And we know we deserve all of it. But it would be a good morning this morning to seek his mercy. So would you, let's stand together, would you? You're sitting all the time. Let's stand and if you're at home, stand as well, okay? Just stand up and join us. Let's pray together. Father, we seek you this morning. A lot of us would have never dreamed this kind of stuff. Our country could be in this kind of shape. Lord, we're in massive debt. We've got natural catastrophes happening all over the place that are increasing in scale. We have political division that hasn't existed in this country like this since the Civil War. Lord, we have just massive anxiety going on in our country. We've got out here, Lord, in Oregon, over half a million people displaced from their homes alone. Lord, we seek you. Our sins are higher than our head, as Daniel would say. Lord, we cannot correct the things that have taken place. And so we appeal to you and your steadfast mercy and your hesed love for us. Lord, that you would reveal yourself, that you would uh, help people see you. And Lord, that there would be channels and doors that, Lord, we pray that Jesus would become the conversation of the hour, that people would want to know and that, uh, they would begin to ask questions. Lord, we seek that many would come to know you during this time. And we pray for us, those who know you, may we just be very confident and very steadfast and very trusting. And Lord, we seek you for that this morning and give that to you in your name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Okay, so we've started a little mini-series. It's always good to go through who we are as a church. Um, you know, if you're new and you're looking at Norfu, that's, a, <clears throat> that's what you're interested in. But it's always good for us as well, just who, what is Norfu, right? 
Uh, Shannon did a great job opening up last week, and I'm grateful that he did that. And by the way, he and Lisa are gone. They left this morning. <clears throat> they went to Maine. Uh, that's where they had their honeymoon, and they're celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. All right? So, yeah, we can give them a hand, and you can uh, welcome them, congratulate them, keep them in prayer this week. But um, uh, just a, a slight review. Last week, we looked at the first of the three main points about Norfolk, and the, we put our mission statement up there, and, and you know this well. Norfolk Community Church is committed to means it's our purpose, it's what we're after, to encouraging people to become more like Jesus. Any of you find that an easy process? <laughs> right? Easy to put in words, easy to say, hard to do. But committed to encouraging people to become more like Jesus by celebrating God, serving one another, and sharing God's love with our world. When it comes to celebration, that's a, a unique word, the question would be, what are we celebrating? Well, number one, we're celebrating God's love for us. That is good news. The greatest news in the world is that God loves you. You have a problem. I have a problem with sin. That wipes us out in terms of relationship with him. And God did something about what we couldn't do for ourselves. He covered that by standing in the place for us and dying on the cross for our sins. And that is worth celebrating. That is like, what an incredible gift. Like, wow, amazing. And so we celebrate God's love for us. We celebrate Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. And not just that, but his burial and resurrection. Okay? If he just died on the cross and never rose again, we really don't have anything. You've got half a baked cake. Right? But with the resurrection, what we know is right now, when you look at all this, it's easy to look at our world and be just full of anxiety. And what the Bible says, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You just stay anchored on his resurrection and he promised he'd come back and get us and he's going to fulfill that promise. We celebrate the reading of God's word, the Bible. That is a fun, awesome, cool thing to do. And those of you who have taken that challenge seriously and, and, and taken uh, my stimulus to get on that thing and start reading it for yourself, you suddenly started finding places and like when you walk in church and I'm speaking on you go, wait a minute, I just read that. Like, oh, right? It, it just opens things up for us. And so we celebrate reading God's word, the Bible. And we celebrate spending time with him in prayer. Hey, what does this mean? The word celebrate, again, is important. Uh, and it's this simple. Here's how you break it down. Celebrate means we get to, we don't have to. Church is really a bummer if you have to, okay? If you grew up as a Christian kid and you have to, church is a drain. Where's the farthest back seat? Can I fall asleep without my dad catching me, all right? Now, we get to, and you know, right now, a lot of us are really appreciating the fact that we can even meet, right? That got taken from us and we went, whoa, that's way more valuable than we thought. man. We, we want to be back. I was talking to someone yesterday. I went to visit a dear, dear friend who's uh, about ready to go to heaven. And uh, when her daughter asked, said, Steve, have you found that people uh, have grown comfortable not having to come to church? I said, actually, no. Not at, at least our church. At our church, people have wanted to come back. And even the ones who can't come back and are watching online want to be there. And I said, they have just really realized, you know, it's the old pay paradise and put in a parking lot. You don't know what you got till it's gone, right? And, and once that got taken, we realized how valuable, how special it is to meet together. And so 
uh, it's a get to, not a have to. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. We don't have to read the Bible. We get to read the Bible. We don't have to live the Christian life. We get to live the Christian life. And, and that mindset is just all the different. We as a body have just discovered that all over again in the last seven months. So we thank the Lord for that. So this morning we're going to take a look at the second part of the statement. And the second part of the statement is we want people to become more like Jesus by, and the phrase there in our mission statement is serving one another. Right? Uh, phrase that's very common. We would understand it well. Uh, if this topic intrigues you as we go through it this morning and, uh, and you find interest in this uh, and you want to read a classic, let me recommend a classic to you. This up on the screen is Gene Getz's book called Serving One Another. Uh, it's one of the best books I've ever read when it comes to church body life. And what he did was he saw these one another passages. So he went through the entire New Testament and took all the one another passages and grouped them up together for things that uh, we should, uh, how to serve one another. And uh, it's, it's uh, a great read. Uh, it's a profound sweep through the New Testament. And it gives a great picture of what we, as Norfew, are all about. Let's just look at two of the statements that are found in there. Uh, in Galatians 5, verse 13, it says this, For you were called to freedom, right? We've been freed up in Christ. We've been called to freedom. Brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So our freedom, our freedom that we have in Christ is not a freedom to do whatever we want. Our freedom to do in Christ that we have in Christ is the freedom to be a servant. Woohoo! You're all jumping out of your seats, whooping it up at home. I, I hear you. There you go. Okay? What's the motivation behind that? The motivation behind that is love. Now, again, this gets into, oh, do we have to do that? And I just want to break us out of that mindset because I think it's a mindset that gets whispered into our head by Satan. And he, he just says, oh, there it is, drudgery, you know, kind of thing. The motivation is love. Think about the things you love. Um, if you want a definition of love, look at 1 Corinthians 13. It, it's a great definition. One of the basic definitions in that list in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, there's a whole bunch of things, but one of them is that love is not self-seeking. Right? And the idea of self-seeking is I only do the things that get me where I want to go. I only do the things that are important to me. I only do the things that get me ahead. I only do the things that I want to do. I don't do any of that other stuff. That's self-seeking. And it says that love is other-centered. Now again, that, oh, do I lose myself? No, no, all of this is in balance. But when Christ frees us from our sin, we usually experience great freedom. That is, that's what testimonies are all about. Um, and it's a freedom that we otherwise would not have known. The freedom to be used uh, for others, not for oneself. First Peter adds, uh, this definition, look in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, you'll see it up on the screen. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. 
in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is very important because what it means is a couple things. Number one, notice it says God's grace is varied. In other words, we don't all have the same gift. That's one of the problems we get into is comparing, and that's hard to do because we've all been gifted differently, right? Some of us do some things really well and some things really poorly, and some of the rest of us do those things really well and the other stuff poorly. And that's why we need each other. We can't demand that everyone serve exactly the same way, for we haven't been all given the same gifts. And the gifts work themselves out in different ways. And they look different depending on who's using them. So there's a lot of variety in there. God is glorified when we use our gifts for other people's sake in his kingdom. I think we all know that, right? But it's good to remind ourselves of that. Now, here's the point. It will not go well for us if we hide our gift or use it for our own purposes, right? If God's given you a strength, you can get away with things sometimes and use it to get what you want to get, right? That's not going to go well. Uh, There's a parable Jesus told, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25, and you can look there. Uh, Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. But let's just go through the story together. And you'll know this story, and it'll make a lot of sense, but think of it in connection to serving one another. Jesus said this, For it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me Two talents, here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, and so I was afraid. And I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master, his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's not a really positive story in the ending there, right? You look at the ending and go, ugh, 
That's right. Am I using my talents? We, we can get all nervous. Um, and you can over amp on that. But the book of Hebrews sheds a better light on this. If go to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, it's talking that same way to the Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews is writing to this group called the Hebrews. And he's writing the same way. But then he says this in verse 9 Though we speak this way, Yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises right now we've been a church family for a long time we were portable church for a long time right that was 20 that was all hands on deck everybody had to help right every sunday the chairs many of you remember doing that um you guys grew up with us doing that right remember you were the little rugrats running around we should have had you back then we know but um you know we as a church we've served well but this is something that we have to keep leaning into and keep learning uh, and it says here, a, a, a descriptive phrase, it says that we would not be sluggish. Uh, what should we not be sluggish in? And what we shouldn't be sluggish in is imitating those who through faith and patience, ha <laughs> patience, there's that word again, right? We, don't we love that word? Yes. I can see your smiles behind your mask. Yes, patience. Through faith and patience, Faithful and patient in what? Faithful and patient in inheriting the promises of God. In other words, Northview, we have a history. Started back in 1999. Here we are, 20, 2020. Okay? We've run that run. Okay? And many of you ran that whole run. You've been there the whole time. Okay? But now we have to make this next run. And this next run may look more daunting than even that run. That, the back there looks so easy because it's finished now. And there's no more, it, it, it's a done deal and it happens, so it's not hard. And of course we made it, right? That's how you can look at the past. But does that look that way when you look to the future? Oh, but I want to suggest this. Just as God was faithful and patient with us in that run, he will be faithful and patient with us in this run. And so we need to keep doing the things that we had been doing. Notice the context for this passage is inheriting the promise of God, and it's connected to and linked to serving one another. That there's something about being in community together. There's something about being linked relationally. There's something about going past the high, how are you fine stage to where you actually are linked together and you are serving together that it keeps everybody tracking. So here's a question this morning. Why should we do that? Right? Why should we do that? Well, the most basic answer I could give is because that's what Jesus did. Right? If you look at the life of Jesus, that's what Jesus did. And I want to be careful here because right here is where it can get really trite and stale. Right? Christian kids, right? We've heard that before. Oh, Pastor Steve, can't you come up with anything new? Right? Uh, we, have a, we have a tendency 
to blow by it because we've heard it so many times. But stop for a second. Hear it with new ears. See it with new eyes. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 22. Jesus said to them, I am among you as one who serves. Now think of who it is who's saying that. I am among you as one who serves. And what was the context for this comment? Right? The setting. In other words, where, where did this happen? Well, this happened when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. Remember, he took a towel and a basin right before the Last Supper and he washed their feet. And what was the context for Jesus using this object lesson? The disciples were so good at serving each other and serving Jesus, Jesus wanted to congratulate them by washing each other's feet. Gong, not, thanks for playing. Okay, what was the setting? The setting was they were arguing over who was the greatest. That sound like us anytime, right? Who was the greatest? And here's the point. After three years with them, they still didn't get it, which is scary. That's scary for them. That's scary for us. Possible that any of us have sat in church our whole life and still not gotten it? Frightening. After this short series, we're going to jump into Philippians and uh, we're going to run into this famous expression in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do nothing. Have you ever tried that? To not be selfish and to not uh, be conceited, but put others ahead of yourself. Pastor Jan taught me, he says, Steve, when you get into ministry, there's two wells that you've got to avoid at all costs. said, the first well is the well of self-pity. It's so easy to feel sorry for yourself. Second well is the well of selfishness. He said, either one of those, you go down, there's no bottom to them. He said, and if you're not careful, you'll never come back up. He said, many, many pastors have been destroyed by falling down one of those two wells. Many, many marriages have been destroyed by falling down one of those two wells. Many, many families have been destroyed by different members of the family falling down into those wells. What's Jesus' antidote for it? Servanthood. And the key balance here is it says, um, let each of you look not only, in other words, not saying you have to stop being you. You have to stop looking out for things that are important to you. You don't look out not only for your own interests, but what? Also for the interests of others. In other words, listening to the heart and voice of God for when he says, hey, I want you to go help them. Ah, I'm really busy, Lord. You know, and what it says is when you get to that point, when push comes to shove, right? You've been there. You know what it's like, right? You get that phone call. Oh, I had the afternoon planned. I had these projects I was going to get done. Uh-huh. Right? I was going to go play. Ah. And it says, place the interests of others above yourself. Usually this is placed in such a negative light, but I want to look at this in a positive way. 
We get this, and we know this. We know there's great reward and joy in doing this. Yesterday, I went, as I said, I went and visited my friend who's soon to be in heaven, and, uh, and, and she, it was wonderful, okay? Pam and the gals all took off for the baby shower. Matt was hanging with his posse, and I drove up to Stanwood and uh, hung with my friend Dorothy. And, you know, nobody in the world knew that was happening. That wasn't uh, billboarded down in Seattle or anything like that. But as I sat and I sat with my friend Dorothy, I was enormously blessed. It was an incredible blessing. But think about this, right? Let's start with grandparents, okay? Grandparents in the room. Is it hard, or even watching, right? Is it hard to love your grandkids and put their interests above you? No, right? Man, grandkids are awesome. You got all the love and none of the responsibility. Spoil them rotten, hand them back off. Woohoo! This is great, right? Is it hard to serve your grandchildren? No. You watch parents who become grandparents or ch- parents who become grandparents, they're giddy, okay? I can't wait. We don't have grandkids. We have a grandpuppy. But I can't wait. And uh I'll be sneaking over at night, swiping that kid from Mike and Kayla. Ha, here we go, you know. And uh, is that hard to do? No, it's not hard to do. Parents. Now, I know all the ins out of parent, parenting, right? But is it hard to put your own children's interest in front of yours? No. It's a joy to do that. You want to help them out. You, you bend over backwards to make it work for them, right? It's not hard to do. Um, if you fall in love. Is it hard to put your love's interest ahead of yours? No, it's not. And if it is, marriage is going to straighten that out really quick. Right? Because most of us get into marriage for what we're going to get, not what we have to give. And if we had it figured out that it's what we have to give, we would do a lot better at it. But marriage will certainly teach you how to course correct it. As I've said many times, marriage is designed by God to root out our selfishness. And it's ruthlessly effective at doing that. The goal of marriage, again, is holiness, not happiness. Holiness, you can't have a happy marriage if you don't have a holy marriage. You can't have a holy marriage unless you're both surrendered under the leadership of Christ. And even then, it's a challenge half the time, right? So this is incredible. And like the disciples, it may take us some time to get it. But that's what we're doing as a body, is practicing together to get better at it. Here's that most famous of word pictures about Jesus, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though although he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we are to what? Pick up our cross and follow him. This is literally, quite literally, one of the most astonishing passages in all of Scripture. No one would have thought of this or come up with this on their own. We're so used to it, we think, oh yeah, that's the way it is. But think how out of the box this is. Look at the Greek gods, right? Uh, You watch all kinds of cartoons about them. There's the movie about Hercules and all these different ones. And there's all the different ones you can read. The Greek gods were vain. Who? 
vain, capricious, arrogant, self-entitled, immoral, and dictatorial. And they're always fighting and squabbling among themselves. There never had been a picture of a humble God. That's not what God was. God was the ruler, the dictator, the one in charge. A humble God? Nobody had ever heard of that, thought of that before. And there's certainly, if there had never been a picture of a humble God, there would certainly never been a picture of a servant God. This just rewrote the books. And we're so familiar with it now that it's boring. Oh yeah, whatever. And we don't pay attention to it. And you don't find out how difficult it is to do until you try to do it. You ever tried being humble? Any of you tried being patient? Any of you tried serving others? Not near as easy as it looks, right? It's anything but that. So here's the obvious point. If we want to become like him, we'll have to learn to serve like him. If we want to learn to become like him, we're going to have to learn to serve like him. So let's put some shoe leather on this. One of the practical, what are some practical ways you can do this? All right, one of the practical ways, I'm going to give you four ways. First practical way that you can do this is by joining a community group here at Northview. We have community groups. It's called Don't Do Life Alone. It's life on life, and, and we walk together. And the best way to do that is in a small group. This is hard. This is good, but you can't really get that intimate. Uh, you can't really know the other people. Uh, you get in a smaller group, you can do that. See, the issue is not whether I attend church or not. The issue is am I in community at church? Do people know me? And by the way, with COVID, it's not been that easy, right? It's really been difficult. We, today, we can't even get out of our own houses. So, I mean, we've got to work around this a bit. Uh, but Matt Chu would call this, uh, Matt Chu's one of the families here, and he's chairman for 10 years and great friend. He would call this doing life on life. And that's where we want to get to. We want to do life on life. We don't want to do attendance together. We want to do life together. Uh, Pam and I have been part of a community group uh, since just shortly after we arrived. And our group, I was going to have all the pictures up on the screen, but I was gone and I couldn't get them all. But our group is the Islers, Walt and Linda, and then the Garretts, Rich and Wendy, then the Bonds, Peter and Krista, then the Fallons. We even included the Fallons, right? Shannon and Lisa. And then uh, Pam and I, that's, that's our group. And uh, we have lots of kids in our group. So the Islers have three, the Garretts have three, the Bonds had four, then blew that up to seven, right? And then uh, the Fallons have four, and then we have four. So that's 21 kids. And let me tell you, it is a hoot and a holler when they all get together. And they used to be little. So it used to be when they were little, we could fit them all in someone's living room and do like a Christmas party or Thanksgiving thing together, and they'd, <laughs> it all worked. Well, it, they've gotten older and bigger. And I was going to have a picture of our last Christmas party because we crammed, and then literally the word is crammed, right, Abby? All of us into Garrett's living room, and it looked like a bunch of hamsters together. I mean, but we've been doing that for close to 16 years. And that Christmas party was a squish, but it was a great squish, okay? It was a great squish. We have so much fun together. Um, we've literally grown up together as families. We've raised our kids together. We've walked life together. Um, uh, it, 
it, it, see, what I'm trying to say is it's been a joy to walk together, to serve each other. Uh, in our prayer group, it's, it's not been difficult. Uh, we have shared together, we've prayed together, we've laughed together, we've cried together, we've gone through good things, and we've gone through tough things. Uh, and we help each other out in innumerable ways. Just even this week, we were calling and encouraging each other, and uh, Rich and Wendy had to run to Montana to take care of his mom and sister, and we were checking with them to see how things were going. That's, that's community, right? That's link. That's, if something happens, everybody knows in our group, and everybody starts praying. That, that is a joy. Uh, two quick points off of this is one, belonging to a community group is a great way to get connected and serve. If you've been having a hard time figuring out how to get tied in at Northview, this is the best way to go, is to find a small group or start a small group and, or jump in a small group and just find out what's going on and what are ways uh, that you can serve. And then two, I, I want to say this balancedly, but really I think this is true. The fall, and we're hoping... You know, right? We were coming through and hoping it would get better, and now the smoke is hit. And we're thinking, well, when the smoke's gone, hopefully it'll get better. The fall and winter may not get better. All right? Knowing the things I know about our economy, knowing the things I know about the election, knowing the things I know about what's going on and, and how our economic system has just been busted in the chops, and many of you know this as well, it may not get better. We're going to need each other. Uh, standing alone is not going to work. Right? And so I, I just want to encourage you, if you've been sitting inside and going, yeah, I'll get to that someday. I, I think you should do that now. I think Jesus would want you in a community group. I think Jesus wants you close. And I think if something happened in your family, somebody should be able to call and say, hey, are you okay? Can we help? What can we do? How can we pray for you? Right? We found about Lindy's parents and, and stuff this week. That popped on the prayer line. We went up this morning. We prayed for them already, and they already know we're praying for them. That, that's connected, right? That's community. That's, that's how it works. The second way you can serve, let's blow by these quickly. Uh, you can serve here at Norfew, which many of you already do. Um, it's the doing things together that makes it fun, right? That's, that's what the fun part really is. That's what makes us a church. That's where friendship feels. By the way, do you know one of the best serve one another groups that exist here, one of the best serve one another teams that exist here at the church? You know which one, you know which one it is? You don't ever see them. You don't ever hear of them. They're, they're never around when you're here. You know who they are? They're the custodial team. How do you think this place gets sanitized? How do you think the baskets get emptied? How do you think the bathrooms get clean? How do you think stuff gets vacuumed up? It just miraculously happens? Rob does that in his spare time? No, no, there's a whole group of people that are the custodial team. They tend to be people who are hands-on, got to do something, got, right? I did that, I'm good. And, and they serve together, and they all know each other, and they all hang out together. When was the last time you heard a custodial team lifted up in a church as one of the great teams in the church? And I want to suggest to you, they are. Where would we be without their service? Right? How'd you like it? You go in the bathroom, no toilet paper. Ha, oh. Never think about things like that. Why? Because someone's thinking for you. They're serving you. That's how this works. We literally couldn't or can't function without 
their service. Third way that you can serve uh, in serving one another is by serving within your community. You know, we live in our communities, right? We're here, we'll just take Mill Creek as the hub and run a circle around it, and all of us are somewhere in that circle somehow. Uh, Find a place that needs your help and your gifts and jump in and help. You know, we don't just have to serve in the church. We can help out there. We can help them. Who's them? I don't know. Go find them, right? Find a place that has a need and team with somebody. And, hey, I was thinking of going helping. You, you want to come with me? Okay. That's how you infiltrate a community. That's how you find friendships with non-believers. Uh, how about your neighborhood? Who in your neighborhood needs help? Right? We did that series, The Fine Art of Neighboring, and looking for places in your neighborhood where you can tie in. Um, you can start Christian, right? There's all kinds of ministries that need help. Many of them we support in the area. But it doesn't have to just be Christian. There are a bunch of places that need help, especially during COVID-19. Uh, just three hours a week. If you could give just three hours a week, you could make a big difference, gain new friends, and be a living witness for Jesus. The fourth way you can serve one another is missionally. We have some of the greatest missionaries in the history of the world. And I'm not saying that just to blow smoke. We have got some fantastic people that we support. That's why we support them, right? They're awesome. Uh, and by the way, just to add a footnote, Scott and Noel Hardaway, right? Know them? They are doing well. They are gaining support. Matter of fact, they were presenting in church this morning. Right, so they're three hours ahead of us, so they're probably done doing that by now. But they are really close to hitting their target goal for support. When they do, they're going to come back here. When they come back here, we're going to let them share, and we're going to have a celebration with them, and then we will send them and pray for them and anoint them off to Papua New Guinea. That's been four years they've hammered at that. You think we're going to celebrate that when they come back? You bet your sweet bippy we are. Now, how are we going to pull it off? I don't know, but we're going to do it, all right? So we're going to, missionaries need friends. You know, and this used to be so arduous because you had to write a letter. Dear so-and-so, how are you doing? Oh, now what do I say, right? Oh. But nowadays, come on, the, you know, social media can be a curse, but it can also be a blessing. You can text, you can email now. Hey, just thinking of you. I'm at Northview with Steve, and he talked to us about it, and I found your address, and I, is there any way we could pray for you? Is there anything we could do on this side? Uh, is there a way we could become friends with your family and, and do something for your kids? If you were a mission, would you, would you mind if you got one of those? No, right? You can do that. How can we pray? How can we become friends? Again, here's the point. Nothing we've talked about this morning is new. Nothing we've talked about this morning is rocket science. You do not have to have a PhD to pull this off. All you got to do is find practical things. How can you serve? Who can you serve? Who needs your help? Just look around. It's literally faith in action. Jesus, who can I help this week? That's a great prayer. Why not take a step this week? If you're already stepping, keep stepping. Right? Don't do more. Don't do less. Just keep doing what you're doing. But if you haven't, if there's nobody, if I said, who do you serve? And you can't come up with anybody. Take that to the Lord and say, that's not okay. I need to serve somebody. Okay? Jesus, I'd like to serve you, so who needs your help? Who can I pitch in with? Remember, it's a get-to, not a have-to. 
Jesus called it loving him in deed and truth. Let's pray. Father, this is an old message. Uh, It's a great one. It's one of the core anchors of our fellowship is by serving one another. Lord, and we seek you this morning. It has been somewhat awkward and difficult to figure out how to do that in COVID-19. And yet there are probably more opportunities available to serve people, especially people who are not part of the church, uh, than ever before. And Lord, with these fires and things, there's a lot of people in desperate situations and are asking questions and looking for help. God, give us eyes and ears as a church, as individuals, as community groups, as a church, for looking at how we can engage with people. We ask for your help and wisdom on that. And Lord, thank you that it was a get-to for you. Thank you that you came willingly. Thank you that you didn't begrudge the task. May we not begrudge the things you ask of us either. And we give that to you in joy. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Before we close, if you'll just allow me one minute. I just felt this was a perfect time to say some of this. It's been just over a year since my family moved across country and came here to Northview. And I gotta say, if there's anybody here who's visiting or anybody online who's joining us that's maybe kind of checking us out, you guys should know that this church is the real deal. My family, there's no way, I mean, what a year to move across country, right? We would not have survived if it was not for the love and support and genuineness of the people here at Northview. So from the bottom of my heart, first off, thank you guys, you are amazing. I'm so blessed to be here. And I just, you know, we're talking about, we are Northview, so I thought it was the perfect time to say I am so glad to be a part of Northview. So as you're able, stand with us. We're going to close with an awesome song. It's a prayer just as a church welcoming God into our center and into our midst. So join us as we sing Be Thou My Vision.
to become like Jesus. Wasn't that the dream when you started out? Embrace the dream. Ask him how you can serve. Father, give us ways, practical ways. Lord, many of us have been serving for a long time. Encourage us to stay steadfast in it. Some of us need to start, Lord, and we don't know where, and help us figure that out through friends and family and believers around us. And then, Lord, some of us were serving and stopped and need to pick it up again. And so we seek you on all those levels, Lord. Speak to us as your children this week. Help us find a slot. We give that to you in your name. Jesus, have your way. Come and see you next week. My brokenness.